Hello, my friend. This is Pastor Christopher Alam. I trust you and your household are doing well in God's blessings. And uh, we are now in um, the subject of the blood covenant. And uh, we have been giving you the, you know, uh, for the last few days, I've been talking about, you know, bringing up different points on why the new covenant is greater and far superior to the old covenant. And uh, today I'm going to give you uh, point number 26, the 26th reason why the, why the new covenant is greater than the old covenant and is far superior to it. And that is, the reason is, the old covenant was for Israelites only, while the new covenant is for all mankind. So that is the 26th reason why the new covenant is superior to the old covenant because the new covenant is for all mankind while the old covenant was for only one group of people the Israelites and but to get into this further let's look at Genesis chapter 14 verses 18 to 20 and this is actually the story of when Abraham was returning from uh, um, battles he had fought against many different kings who had opposed him and he had defeated all of them and he was coming back with the spoils of war and there he meets this man called Melchizedek it says and in in verse number 18 it actually tells us who Melchizedek uh, was it says then Melchizedek king of Salem brought out bread and wine he was the priest of God most high so Melchizedek was both the king the king of Salem plus he was the priest of God excuse me so what he did when he saw Abraham he brought Abraham bread and wine and then it says after he had given him bread and wine he blessed him and said blessed be Abraham of God most high possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. So the first thing that happened that Melchizedek gave Abraham bread and wine. And the second thing he spoke the blessing over Abraham. And Abraham's response was in verse 20 it says and he gave him a tithe of all. That means he took one tenth of everything he owned all the spoils everything. And he took a tenth of it and gave it. To Melchizedek. So this is actually incidentally this is the first place in the Bible that the word tithe is even mentioned was when Melchizedek gave his tithe to Abraham. Now in the book of Hebrews the writer of Hebrews he relates to us the story of Melchizedek. You know he's relating to the same story that I just read to you from Genesis 14. It says for this Melchizedek king of Salem priest of the most high God who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. So he said that Melchizedek, he, he, he met Abraham and he blessed him and uh, he was the king of righteousness and he was also the king of Salem which means the king of peace. Then it says about Melchizedek, 
without father, without mother, without genealogy, that means we don't know his father and his mother, we don't know his genealogy, neither having beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. So Melchizedek was a type of Christ because we don't know his genealogy without father, without mother, without a human father, without a human father, a human mother, without beginning, without end, not, not a, no beginning to life, no end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. So if I look at it now, this is just me, okay? I could be wrong, but it seems to me that Melchizedek was actually Jesus. It seems to me that he was made like the Son of God. He didn't have beginning of days nor end of life. And he's a priest forever. So who could this be? Who could this person be? And I believe it was Jesus. So Melchizedek, but it does say that Melchizedek, later on it says that Melchizedek, Melchizedek was a type of Christ, was a foreshadow of Christ. And as far as I understand, I believe it was Jesus himself. And uh, anyway, uh, it says, now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are the sons of Levi who receive the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law that is on their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes to Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Now, so here what he's saying is that it's basically telling us that Melchizedek, uh, who was the type of Christ or the foreshadow of Christ. That's what the scripture says. Although I personally believe that Melchizedek was actually Jesus himself appearing in the Old Testament. But anyway, whatever it is, um, it has no significance. You know, there are certain things that have no significance to your eternal life. You, uh, it, it, it's, it's an academic question. It doesn't take away or add anything to your faith. So Melchizedek could be Jesus Christ himself, or he was just a type of Christ, but we don't know anything more about him. Okay. Now, anyway, but here it says that verse four, consider how great this man was, how great Melchizedek was. So he was so great that even Abraham, you know, the covenant man of God gave him his tithes. Because it says those who are the sons of Levi, that is the Levites, the Levites are the priests and they're the all descendants from Abraham. The Levites, they receive, they have a commandment to receive the tithes of the people. Okay, they, the Levites are descendant from Abraham and they receive tithes from the people. But he whose genealogy is not from Abraham. He received tithes from Abraham and he blessed Abraham who had the promises of God. What made Abraham stand out was Abraham was the only one who had these exceedingly wonderful promises of God. 
and he blessed the man who had promises of God. So it basically is telling us how much greater than Abraham Melchizedek was. And then it says, and he blessed Abraham because in verse 7, there is a biblical principle. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better or the greater. Okay. You know, there's a principle in the Bible. Uh, people in American and European culture don't understand that, that it is always the greater who blesses the lesser. Now, uh, don't get me wrong, but of course, as children of God, we are all equal. You know, we are, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ in the sense that God loves all of us equally and we are all part of one family and that's true. But there, but we are not equal when it comes to ministry and anointing because some people, they are called to a, a higher level of ministry than others. And, and that's why we have to honor that. The Bible says, let those who preach the word be worthy of double honor. So there are people who have to be, we have to honor because God has put them above us in ministry. Some people walk in a greater anointing than we do and we honor them. So for example, Pastor Sam Smucker is my pastor. Now he's older than me in age, but he's my pastor. So I would never, you know, of course, as God's children, we are brothers, we are equals, but I would never presume uh, myself to be equal to him in ministry or in anointing. No, he is my pastor. I am not his pastor. He's my pastor. So he stands in a higher office than I do. And I honor him and I honor the anointing and the office he stands in. And so because of that, because the lesser is blessed by the greater, I sometimes ask him to pray for me, but I would never presume myself to, you know, oh, Pastor Sam, let me bless you. I would never do that because it is always the greater who blesses the, the lesser. And it is important to maintain that place of that gap of, of respect because that enables us to receive from what the Holy Ghost gives to us through the servants of God. You know, I was very close to uh, uh, Brother Hagen and, uh, and other people. And uh, well, if, if you look at people who are alive now, uh, one man whose ministry has meant a lot to me is Brother Ian Andrews. And he's an older man and he walks in a powerful anointing. And I'm always very respectful towards him. I never call him by his first name and I would never presume myself to say, oh, Brother Ian, let me lay hands on you. I would never do that because he walks in a higher level of anointing than I do. And when he speaks, I shut up and listen. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's, it's good to maintain that, that gap. And so similarly, you know, I'm 66 years old. I go and minister in churches and sometimes they say to you, Oh, we will have these youngsters lay hands on you. And I, uh, and I don't like it. I don't like it because, you know, I, I've been in the ministry before since they were uh, even born. And it's always, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm greater or better than them in the sense that as children of God, we are all equal, but I just stand in a higher office than they do. And, 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 and in a greater measure of the anointing. And I'm not ashamed of saying it. So, you know, you, we have to maintain that, uh, uh, that, uh, that, that respect for the office people stand in and the, and the ministry people stand in and, and understand that we are equal as children of God and brothers and sisters in, in the Lord, but we are not equal in ministry and anointing. 
and uh, it's the way God has ordained it and we are all different and we are we all carry a di different measure of grace upon our lives to do what God has called us to do and some people are called to pastor bigger churches other people are called to pastor smaller churches and why it is that way I don't know but it is just the way it is amen so anyway so let us uh, it says so what he's saying here is that uh, uh, Melchizedek was far greater than Abraham. So it says, even Levi who paid tithes, he paid tithes to, through Abraham so as to speak. Okay. Now, so it, now then it begins to talk about the need for a new priesthood from verse 11. It says, therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood for under it, the people received the law. What further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek? and not be called according to the order of Aaron. So it says that imperfection came to the Levitical priesthood and they are the ones who, who, uh, who spoke the law, spoke the word of God. Uh, you know, it says, why should we have another priest? And uh, so it says, for he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe from which no man has officiated at the, at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. So our Lord Jesus, he came from the tribe of Judah and Moses said nothing about a priest arising from Judah because the priest was supposed to be from the house of, um, of Levi, Leviticus. And says, and it is yet far more evidence, evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest. So he says, now another priest is going to arise who is not like Levi, but who is like Melchizedek. He's talking about Jesus. But who has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, who has become a priest, not because, you know, a commandment that the priest should only be descendants of Levi, but according to the power of an endless life. And that is Jesus. He is a priest because of the power of an endless life. For he testifies you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. This is what God has testified about Jesus. You are a priest forever according to the house of Melchizedek. Then it says, um, all right, let's look at verse 20. For inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, the law, uh, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So it says that all these other priests, they became priests because they were descended from Levi. But Jesus was a priest because of the oath, because of the word that came from the mouth of God. God himself ordained him and made him a priest. He said, you are a priest forever and not a priest like Levi, but you are a priest like a priest like like Melchizedek. Then it says, by so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. So if you look at this story about Abraham and Melchizedek and you understand Melchizedek's uh, position that he was a type of Christ and you had Abraham. So Abraham represents the lesser covenant between God and Abraham. Uh, I'm sorry, God and Israel. Abraham in this story, he represents the lesser covenant between God and Israel. But Melchizedek is the type and foreshadow of Christ. 
And because he's the type and foreshadow of Christ, he represents the greater covenant that God offers to all mankind through Jesus Christ. So there are two covenants. One is a lesser covenant and the lesser covenant is Melchizedek. And uh, uh, and uh, I'm sorry, uh, the lesser covenant is Abraham. God's covenant with Abraham with, uh, and it is actually God's covenant with Israel. That's the, la the lesser covenant. But the greater covenant that Melchizedek rep represents, it is God's covenant with all mankind through Jesus Christ. So these two covenants, one is lesser, one is greater. The one of Abraham is lesser. The one of Melchizedek is greater because Melchizedek is a type of Christ and the covenant through the blood of Jesus is not for one group of people, but for all, it is for all mankind, okay? Now, let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, 1 to 6. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you might understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not known to the sons of man, as it has been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ to the gospel. So he's talking about this a revelation of this mystery uh, that God has revealed. And uh, Paul is bringing forth this mystery. And this is the mystery. This, this is now a revelation. This mystery is now uh, a revelation because it has come forth that, that God has planned that through the gospel, the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and part of the same body and partakers of God's promises in Christ through the gospel. Hallelujah. In other words, whatever position Israel had with God in the old covenant, God, what he did, his purpose is that through the gospel, through the preaching of the gospel, the heathens should enter into the kingdom of God. And what happened that the heathen, the Gentiles who come in through the gospel, right, they by faith in the gospel, they become part of the same body and become the fellow heirs together with the Israelites and becomes partakers of his promises in Christ. So now this is important to understand because uh, uh, Paul said it several times that, that the blessings of Abraham come by faith in Jesus. And I have also said this, that uh, even the blessings of the Old Testament didn't come just by genial, by biological relationship. Uh, I mean, you can be a Jew by a biological relationship, but to get the blessings of Abraham, you have to inherit it by faith. That doesn't come through biological relationship, but that comes by faith. So you can see that God has one body, okay? And, um, you know, talk about being engrafted into the olive tree. So here you have the olive tree, and that is God's people. And, uh, and so what happens is that the Gentiles will come in 
through the gospel and become part of the olive tree. And the Jews will also be part of it through by faith. They will inherit the blessings. So what happens is that through the gospel in Christ Jesus, the Jews and the Gentiles will become one body and they will become joint heirs, fellow heirs, and they will be partakers of the promise of Christ to the gospel. That's why I've always said that's the, one of the great things of the gospel because through Jesus Christ, Jews and Gentiles, they will become one. They will become like one body. There will be no different. As Paul said, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile. We'll all be one new creation in Christ. Hallelujah. So anyway, so uh, that, that is the revelation that the Jews and the Gentiles are coming together. Then in Galatians chapter 3, 1 to 14, it says, O foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn of you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He's basically, uh, Paul is writing to the, gent, uh, to, to the uh, Jewish Christians in Galatia because <coughs> they were being seduced and drawn away by these Judaizers. And the Judaizers were... Uh, people who were telling these Jewish Christians that, okay, you are saved, you believe in Jesus, but you go to live under the law, drawing them back. So he's telling them, you foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you, you know, as you're taking away from the freedom you have in Christ. And uh, did you receive the Holy Ghost through the works of the law? Or did you receive it by the hearing of faith? So he's talking about faith versus the works of the law. Uh, the old is works. Then uh, uh, and the new is faith. That's what he's talking about. He's trying to pull them back into the old. And then he says, verse 6, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He says, Abraham believed God. And because he believed God, he was declared righteous. He was So Abraham was declared righteous, not because of his works, but because he believed God. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. So he's actually writing to Jewish Christians. He said, only those who are faith are of faith are sons of Abraham. You remember uh, when the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, they were arguing with him and they said, we are sons of Abraham. And Jesus said, you are not sons of Abraham. You are the sons of your father, the devil, because you talk like him, because you act like him. So uh, to be sons of Abraham uh, are those who are of faith. Those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham for beforehand saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. Now this, this is amazing because what he's saying, this is referring to Genesis uh, chapter 12, I believe one to two, when remember when God said to Abraham uh, that through you all the, uh, every family on earth or every household on earth shall be blessed. And it says that that scripture is because God who foresaw, God foresaw that through the seed of Abraham, that is Jesus Christ, mankind would be saved. So because of that, God said, he foretold, he prophesied for Abraham and said, Abraham, in you shall all the nations shall be blessed. Why did he say that? 
He said, Abraham, in you, all the nations shall be blessed because he's, he wanted Abraham to understand that through what would come through him, Jesus Christ, his seed, Abraham, through you, through your seed, all nations of the earth are going to be blessed. So he, he was because God foresaw that the Gentiles, that God would, ju would bring justification and salvation to the Gentiles. So he told this to Abraham. So Abraham understood that through him, through his seed, all mankind would be saved. Hallelujah. Can you imagine knowing that thousands of years, thousands of years. And that was like, I should say, it was about, um, let's see, 2000, uh, 4000, 4,500 years ago. God, you know, 4,500, that's, uh, uh, yeah, 4,500 years from before now, from our time, God said to Abraham, so all this, this great mass harvest of souls we are seeing in Africa, other places, millions of people coming to Jesus, God saw all that. And he said to Abraham, Abraham, through your seed, Jesus Christ, who is coming through his death on the cross, all mankind is going to be saved. Hallelujah. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So then it says, so then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Hallelujah. Then it says verses 13 and 14, for Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promises promise of the spirit through faith. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. And uh, <coughs> this last point was basically to tell you that there are two covenants here. One is um, uh, Melchizedek uh, representing uh, Jesus Christ and the covenant that God made through the blood of Jesus with all mankind. And the other was the, the lesser covenant, the old covenant, which God made with, uh, with the people of Israel through Abraham. So Melchizedek was greater than Abraham. So the, the, the covenant Melchizedek ref, uh, um, represents as being a type of Christ was a greater covenant uh, than the one that is that God had with, Israel, with, with the Israelites. So the new covenant is greater and superior to the old. So now tomorrow what we are going to do we're going to, I'm going to tell you that, you know, I gave you the Jehovah names, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shama, Jehovah Ra, Jehovah Rapha, you know, <laughs> about God's presence and the Lord, your healer, all those things. And you will see that all the promises that God made to the people of Israel through the Jehovah names, the attributes, all those promises, you find them in the New Testament also. You'll find the promise of healing, of God's presence, of God being our shepherd, God being our victory, all those things. So I'm going to go through those things to show you uh, why the uh, new covenant is greater than the old. Plus, there are a couple of things in the new covenant you don't find in the old covenant. So we'll go through all that and then we're going to talk about how to walk in your covenant with God, what God expects of you and me if we are to walk in his covenant and what, what God has promised to you and me, if we walk in his covenant. Well, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
Pray for my brothers, my sisters, and their families. Let your hand of mercy and blessings be upon them. Meet every need that they have, Father. Use them for your glory. I thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you all and uh, keep well, stay well. May the Lord's healing power, his blessing be upon you and your family. And I'll see you again tomorrow. God bless you.